0: Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight.
1: You know, we're up here at the Hospice of the Chesapeake on Ritchie Highway in Pasadena, although I will argue that this is probably Severna Park, but that's semantics here. But And we've spoken with Mike Brady, the CEO, in the past about the organization a while ago, uh, how the community can support it and everything else. And since that time, I know the organization has really grown an awful lot, uh, to include Charles Calvert, Prince George's, and Anne Arundel County, obviously. But now we want to sort of get into the nuts and bolts of what Hospice of the Chesapeake offers. And we are here with Chief Clinical Officer Rebecca Miller. How are you?
2: I'm well. How are you? Good.
1: Well, what, what does a Chief Clinical Officer at Hospice of the Chesapeake do? So, and we don't probably don't have enough time, do we?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am responsible for all of our hospice operations. So that's everything from when someone says that they want to talk to someone about hospice through an admission process, when they're on service, and then um, when we work with their families after someone has passed away. And then I'm also responsible for our internal education. So our clinicians, how they they learn about what they do each and every day, and when they need help, um, and then I also oversee our quality and our compliance areas.
1: So you got you got lots of time on your hands.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, well, I have a great team. I'll put it that way.
1: You know, I I will say that uh, this team is 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 a good team. I've got some friends that have volunteered here, and um, it, you know everybody lauds it. And you know, through my personal experience, uh, not particularly with Hospice of the Chesapeake, but down in Florida uh, with both of my parents when they passed away, um, the concept of hospice is just absolutely amazing. And as I've sort of followed the trajectory of this hospice, I mean, with the growth and everything else, I mean, you've got the Hospice of the Chesapeake is, I guess, sort of how you were born. And I mean, hospice is is care at the end of life. Mm-hmm. So what is your role when it comes to that? I mean, I have uh you know, I am on my you know, my final is it days, weeks, months, years? All
2: or? of those. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know, in our if you look back at what has happened in our society, we have not cured a whole lot of illnesses in the last 15, 20 years. What we have done is made a lot of advances in helping people live with their illnesses. So, here at Hospice of the Chesapeake, what we do is we help people live with their illness right? We we never noticed, and COVID certainly did this for us, it made us realize how important our health is and sure. how much it can impact us when we aren't feeling healthy. And so we offer, we, and you are 100% right, we started out with just being hospice end-of-life care, but we've expanded to have a whole continuum of care now. So we work with folks in our community who are dealing with really serious, complex, oftentimes progressive illnesses. And they're learning how to live each day within the limits of what those illnesses put on them. And so, we offer the support and care that keeps them as independent and keeps them in their homes, in the community, wherever they call home. Um, And we do that currently for over 640 patients a a day.
1: Oh, my word. Well, I mean, mean, let me just sort of put this out to the the sort of maybe an extreme thing, but say there is a child that is born and diagnosed with a progressive illness, as you say, that, you know, there there is no cure at this point mm-hmm. uh, and is going to get continuously worse as he goes on or she goes on through life Um and that life you know could extend into the 20s 30s 40s 60s 80s whatever it may be i mean is is that is hospice there at every step of the way from youth to that in that type of an instance or is it more typically toward okay well you've got a you really need to worry about living your life with this illness
2: So, we actually do have a pediatric program, um, and we have a dedicated pediatric team, which a lot of places do not have. And so, we do have children that are on service with us for extended periods of time, years. Um, Wow. However, that is the minority of who we see. Oh, I would think so, yeah. Right. Most of the care that we provide is with older adults. And so that's really where the bulk of what we do each and every day focuses on.
1: And as far as the care that you give to the folks that are nearing their end of their life, I mean, your volunteers and your clinicians, I guess, are out or in. Uh, just checking, or, or maybe maybe it's all it's a phone call that's needed just to check in on people to find out how they're doing. I mean, is this you're you're checking on medicines to make sure that that they're comfortable and everything else? Is it's that it's
2: all of that? So it's having the conversation about what their goals are, where they want to focus their energy on, because when you're dealing with an illness, you have a limited amount of energy that you can put towards really your living each day. It's a little bit harder than when you're healthy. And so we help focus on that, and then we do all the other things that make that easier, whether that's getting the right medical equipment in the home, whether it's providing the teaching to the person or their family about how to care for someone who's dealing with an illness. We provide medical supplies in hospice. We, we provide the medications. We get them to the home for folks um, so that they don't have to Search that out. We work as a go-between between between their community physician, um, so that they stay connected with the person who knows their care the best.
1: Right, right, makes sense. How do you guys get paid? I mean, is this Mm -hmm. like a a Medicare type of a Medicaid insurance type of a reimbursement?
2: Yes. Medicare has a hospice benefit that got started back in the 80s, um, and it's had some tweaks over the years, but primarily it allows for the care of all those things I just mentioned, the medication, the supplies, the medical equipment, and then our nursing staff, our social work staff, aides, volunteers, everybody to go out to wherever that person lives and help keep them there. That also works for Medicaid and most commercial insurances now you know your united health your cignas they all have a hospice benefit that's kind of mirrored after the medicare one
1: that's good because, I mean, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, going to the hospital uninsured or something like that. And, you know, um, I had a hangnail and I get that bill for like $1,900 you know, right. for the Clippers.
2: <laughs> I will say, you know, as a, as a community organization, we are, we are here and born out of our community. And so the, the communities we serve, we will take people even if they are uninsured or underinsured. We don't turn anyone away.
1: That's fantastic. Well, you talked to mentioned about, you know, working with the families and stuff like that. And then that's a separate arm of hospice, I guess, for lack of a better word, but Chesapeake Life Center. And I noticed as I was coming in the entrance, you've got the awning right there. And that's a separate building. and. And is that primarily for loved ones of folks that may be in hospice? Is that where the prime focus of the Chesapeake Life Care is? The Chesapeake
2: Life Center really focuses on our entire community. So it's open to anyone in the community that is working or trying to learn how to adjust to working with someone or living with someone who has an illness or they themselves have an illness. So... Chesapeake Life Center is made up of mental health professionals who are trained and know how to work with folks who are dealing with loss. And and I say loss in the broad sense. It doesn't mean a death that's happened, though it could be that. Sure. It also means a loss of functioning
1: or a loss of role, things that you couldn't do well, the I, same. I know when my mother had Alzheimer's, and she had it fairly severe. I mean, I had lost her well before she passed away. And uh, that was, you know, a way that I sort of dealt with it internally of my exactly. s- my own. Um, but you know, the, taking care of and and being the the child of, or perhaps the parent of, or of, you know, the brother, the sister, whatever it may be, of somebody that is dealing with a life changing, life altering, life ending illness brings an awful lot of stress and questions. To everybody, I know. In you know, in the death of my parents, you, know, you sit there and say, "Okay, well." Immediately there was this shock, and yeah, and and of course the hospice from Florida, as it happened to where they they were, um, you know, contacted me. Hey, how are you doing periodically and everything else. But as I go on now, they've all been di- dead for probably. Well, my mother has been more than a decade now. There are times where I go like, "Wow," you know, I, I just get this this sadness, mm-hmm. and that's where. I would think something like the Chesapeake Life Center would be very beneficial, whether it be, uh, you know, a a person to talk to, a person to come, you know, a a class to go attend, or uh, maybe there's there's a paper on the the website that I can download. Well,
2: and that's actually why we offer a variety of... Options because people are at different phases, and we want to be a support to our whole community. And so, there are workshops that we offer, one-time events where maybe you go and you learn something different because you're at a different point in in where you are grieving. Um, and then, we also offer ongoing support groups for somebody who's in the midst of it, right? Who maybe is is really just r- dealing with that stress of caregiving that you mentioned and how can I cope better? I need an outlet. I need somewhere to talk. Um, but we know not everybody can get out. So we offer uh, also offer telehealth visits so you can do it virtually. You know, that's you one hum- of the hum- other things yeah, that COVID- And you COVID- hum- that
1: down in the last couple of years, huh? <laughs> that's
2: right. Other thing COVID <laughs> taught us, right? How to do everything virtually. Um, but we're making that part of our ongoing service that we offer because we know that not everybody can physically always come in.
1: Right, and now is is there a cost in in that? I mean, I'm I'm assuming that the the classes and and run and have a probably a higher cost because I mean you've got mm-hmm. professionals that are coming in, you've got materials and everything right. else. So right,
2: we you know again we do a lot. You've probably also seen because hospice of the Chesapeake is very much in the community. Our fundraising events—that's what a lot of
1: those dollars go towards. But we do charge a small fee. Well, one thing I love about the uh, Chesapeake Life Center is that. You don't restrict it to the two-legged creatures that are, uh, <laughs> you know, that are that that may be losing their life, and you do have, and and you know, as we all know, um, you know, pets become members of the family just as much as Aunt Martha does as well, mm-hmm. and uh, I know periodically you do offer uh, coping with the grief of a pet.
2: Absolutely. Especially for older adults. Sometimes that's the most companionship that people have and then when that changes, it's a significant loss.
1: You know, it's so sad when you see older folks and and uh, you know, I, I get my own little guilt with my own parents to a degree, but I mean, you know, we all have our own lives and we need to worry about providing for our families and ourselves and everything else, and we may not be there in old and, and animals really do help them, you mm-hmm. know, to be you know that that sort of crutch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, you know. I try to get down monthly to Florida to see my mom and my dad uh, when they when they were older and unable to sort of get out and about. But it was. Uh, you know, I, I still carry a little bit of guilt about it that it was, wasn't was enough, but then I'm like, you know, can I afford to go down there weekly?
2: Right. You know, that right.
1: be realistic.
2: Right. And there's different ways to connect. Um, and not everybody connects the same way. And so, in Chesapeake Life Center and in our Integrative Arts Program, we also, we offer a lot of complementary therapies we call them so that you know sometimes it's a movement uh type of therapy sometimes it is pet therapy um sometimes it is and i use the word therapy very lightly right it's uh, the it's companionship it's that connection sure. that we're going for
1: there's no couches involved right
2: right, right. well sometimes <laughs> the dogs like to down get down down on the pipe. exactly <laughs> um, we also we actually do some yoga as well you know, that's very popular. That's one of our most popular sure. type of things that we do. So, we we could talk about all the uh, it's, the cool it's, things that Chesapeake Life Center offers. Yeah,
1: that's true. Well, the the third sort of arm that you will, which uh, makes you kind of like an alien because you've got three <laughs> arms as opposed to two, but uh, Chesapeake Supportive Care. And that, I was uh, looked looking on the website there, and you said that's sort of taken over what used to be called palliative care.
2: And yeah, that is also a community service that we offer. And that's for folks who are dealing with sometimes multiple illnesses. Sometimes it is just one very serious illness. But most of the time when you have one serious illness, there's a lot of treatments that are involved and those treatments sometimes lead to other complications. And what supportive care does is it helps people Put all that together. So you might be seeing multiple specialists from different areas. So you might have four or five doctors. is not uncommon what palliative care will do, supportive care will do, they'll go out and they work with all of those physicians, but they also work with you as the patient and their family to find out what's important, how do we mitigate any of the side effects you're having, make sure we get something that keeps you as independent as possible. And that can be happening while you're undergoing other treatments for hopefully curing the illness that's currently causing you trouble, um, or if it turns out that it it isn't curable, it is something that's more chronic, they can help with that in understanding it and also help you to see what might be coming in the future and to make sure your wishes are known. You know, one of the things we hear all the time is people, people have ideas about how they want to live their lives going forward as they age or if they are ill. So we have advanced directives, advanced care planning. You hear about that, right? You can't check into the hospital without them handing you the forms if you don't give them the forms already filled out. Our supportive care does a lot of work with people in the community around voicing what it is that they want as they go through this illness.
1: You know, that's just got to be so critical to the emotional and the mental well-being of anybody at whatever stage of illness or just end of life. I mean, it could just be old age as, as well, just to be able to live it on my own terms. I mean, you know, if, if I was a person that always wanted to be outside and that really brought me happiness, then, you know, maybe working to get me a wheelie chair to be able to go outside uh, is more critical than, you know, the bed. Where they dope me up with some more morphine. Right. Um, you, know, you know, dope me up with the morphine, put me out in a wheelchair, and, and have somebody walk me around would be... Or knowing when it's the you can
2: have the right time of the day to be able to do that. Like maybe you have more energy in the morning, so let's make sure that's a priority in the morning as opposed to by the end of the day where you just really don't have the strength to go out. And right. be
1: outside. That's fantastic. Yeah. that's fantastic. It's uh-huh. it's
2: really the reason I've been doing this work for so many years. I started out actually as a hospice volunteer when I was in my twenties. Got hooked, uh, and I got hooked. Uh, absolutely, I never thought that this was where my career was going to go. But um, I have found so much joy and hope in working with people who are dealing with things that happen, they didn't ask for them to happen. They just happen. And, and yet you have to adjust to it. That's what life is all about. And so helping people live their best lives is the reason that all hospice professionals do what they do.
1: And, and it's funny, as I was growing up, I mean, death was this horrible, you know, just horrible thing that happened at the end, and it was just, you know, shield the kids from it, don't let them know, and and that was, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s. And, you know, as my parents passed, uh, you know, I really did see that, you know, certainly sad, certainly, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, you can't deny that, but uh, there was something really beautiful about it, that, that they were able to sit there and... You know, and to see, I mean, my father was in World War II, and he never really told any World War II stories uh, until he got, he realized that, you know, his end was near, and then he was a chatterbox, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to get him on microphone, but it was because he had some, just some wonderful stories that, you know, for 95 years, he had Bottled up inside of them. We just, we didn't talk about that. We just talked about that. You know, one time where I let the f bomb slip at the Thanksgiving table in front of my mom, and she smacked me. You know? Right, right. Uh, you know.
2: Well, and and one of our most popular volunteer programs is our veteran to veteran connection and our we on Our veterans program. You know, we do pinning ceremonies. Um, families find it extremely beneficial, and stories do come out that over all these years, families will say, "Oh my gosh, I never knew that." Yeah. Right? He never told that story before. Right. But it comes out when you put the setting in place and allow that to
1: happen. Sure, true. Well, hospicechesapeake.org is the website where you get all the information, but you know, from you Becky, I mean, how do how do we support you? How can the community help hospice of the Chesapeake or Chesapeake Life Center or the Chesapeake Supportive Care I mean obviously I know we can attend the galas get involved and and we can we can donate lots of money through those and uh, sure
2: sure we love that yeah but we also love people everybody has talents and so our volunteers there if you have a way you want to give back to the community our volunteer department is oh my gosh so creative in how they they put people to work um and so, I think that's important. I think talking about your own wishes is important. And the time to talk about it is when you're healthy, sure. right? When you're not feeling that pressure. And so, not being afraid to talk about the fact that we do have really serious illnesses in our community, in our society. And I think the more we can normalize and, and make this just a part of life, that's tremendous help because people are afraid and and especially when you get that diagnosis you described it right there's the shock yeah and and with shock usually comes a little bit of fear what does this mean undoubtedly right so so the more we have talked about it and normalized it in our society prior to this um you know so often we talk about it it needs to be just like giving birth saying yeah. goodbye is just as beautiful, and it's just as much a part of life.
1: Do we have a lot of ways to go, or are we getting there, or are we there?
2: We're definitely not there. (laughs) (laughs) Have we made headway from the 60s and 70s? Absolutely, right? We're not there either. We're somewhere in the middle.
1: Well, um Volunteer we can volunteer you guys. I imagine you're always looking for volunteers. Yes. So uh that information and all is available at hospicechesapeake.org. And I imagine you have an army of volunteers who are probably frothing at the mouth to get back into it because I imagine COVID put a whammy on you guys as far as putting people out talking. It did. To, it, to, it did. I mean, you know, you've got you've got illnesses that you're dealing with, and then you've got this other one that's permeated correct you know, correct. the entire world. <laughs> yes. Um but that's uh, what is the best way to get in touch with Hospice in Chesapeake? Is the website hospicechesapeake.org?
2: Sure, that or our main phone number. Either one works. Um, we always we always like to talk with people, uh, but certainly you can start with the website. If you type in a question, somebody will get right back to you, or we'll reach back out to you. People are so tech savvy nowadays, nobody wants to pick up the phone and call anymore. It, Tell it was, me how to do it online. It, it was so funny.
1: I was uh, talking to somebody about seniors in, in senior communities recently, and I was like, they were like, oh, yeah, but they need phone numbers. They, I said, you know, you've got to be forgetting that today's seniors. They know about iPhones and mm-hmm. computers and mouses and stuff like this. This is not, you know, when, when I sit here and I think of a senior, I'm thinking of my 95-year-old dad who did know computers. But, I mean, it was still, I had to try to teach him a little bit before he passed. But it was, uh, I'm like, you know, today's seniors are a lot younger than we really think they are. Um, yes,
2: and, and they started on computers a lot younger. So it's much more a part of their fabric of who they are. My mother's 93. She'll be she'll be 93, actually, in two weeks. And she knows how to text. And she knows how to get on Zoom. And <laughs> yeah. Because that's how she survived
1: COVID. Well, I'll tell you, if you ever want to feel old, look at the Benoit. I think it's Benoit College. They do a thing to professors every year. They say, your incoming class knows this or knows that. And it really... Uh, it's very humbling to the professors, and it really gets them down onto the level of the students. Is nine eleven was always history for the incoming class? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, y- different things like that. Yeah. Your your incoming class has never not had a phone that could fit in their pocket. Right. You know, di- just different you know things like that, and it's like, wow, yeah, it's how we've but, changed, yeah. Yeah, have the conversation. HospiceChesapeake.org, they're there. They've got tons of resources for you. Uh, Chesapeake Life Center, I mean, if you have a family member um, that is is ill or has passed away, uh, great resource there. If you have a pet. Uh, Which I think is great. And um, Rebecca Miller here is leading the charge as the chief clinical officer. And uh, she's got plenty of time on her hands, so come on (laughs) down.
2: Absolutely. I'm always willing to talk
1: to someone. I I want to thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And, you know, thank you for the job that you're doing for the community. I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously it's. It's a calling for you. It's not, um, you know, this job is not filled by a help wanted ad saying looking for somebody to sit in a corner office with two windows. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got to have something a little bit deeper. And I I appreciate that, what you're doing for the hospice as well as what you're doing for the community. But
0: thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit net for all your local news, events, and opinion.